Hi, my name is Dory, and you're listening to a public podcast. If you want more information about anything going on here at Public Church, visit our website, publicchurch.com. Thanks for listening. Love, love you guys being here. Man, it's awesome to see you, and I'm so excited for what God wants to continue to do in this gathering. And I just want to start with two questions that I would be asking if I were you. So two questions that if I were sitting in your seat that I would be asking. The first question is simply this. Why are these people here? I mean, like, seriously, either look around or just do like this, and you're going to bump somebody, probably like multiple people. I mean, it is jam-packed in here. So if I'm you, I'm going, why in the world did all these people come? First off, there are two other gatherings, people. I'm looking around going, you go to the 530, you go to the 530, you go to the 530. I mean, I'm just handpicking them for them. And then the other thing is, like, don't you have anything better to do at 1130 on a Sunday? Like, why are these people here? Here's the second question I'm asking. Where is public church going? Here's why I'm asking that question. Because it's uncomfortable. Anybody agree with me? You're a little bit uncomfortable this morning? You can be honest, you can be authentic. Look, you're packed in here, it's a little warm. I mean, you, you like can't m- turn around without touching somebody. This is the closest to some of you've been to somebody in a long time, I'm just saying. But like, you can't do anything without bumping into another person. You can't like leave without having to wait in line. And then, can we talk about parking for a moment? Like our parking lot filled up about 10 o'clock last night. And I'm kidding, but it felt like it. You know, if you roll in here at 11, 15 or later, man, I don't know where you're parking, but I will say this for you guys. Hands down, you guys are innovative when it comes to parking. Like, it's impressive. I walk outside, I'm like, wow, I never would have parked like that. That's really good. I mean, you guys are everywhere. We're just sitting here praying, like, Lord, don't let it rain so we can park on the grass. And you just find all kinds of places. So by all means, keep parking on the lawn. But here's the point. It's uncomfortable to be here at the 1130. So a question I would ask if I'm you is, where is public church going? Because if there's a compelling answer to that question, I'll keep coming back and being uncomfortable. If there's not a compelling answer, I can probably find something better to do at 1130 on Sunday morning that's a little bit more comfortable for me. So I think these two questions are absolutely huge. And so what we're going to do, we're starting a brand new series today. We'll get to the title in just a moment. And we're addressing these two questions. And what we want to talk about is why are we here? And we also just simply want to talk about where are we going? Now today's the intro. So spoiler alert, you're not going to get all the answers today. You're going to have to come back for the next two weeks. We're just rolling out, talking about the intro. But to really understand where all we're going, it's going to take us three weeks to talk through those. So we'd love for you to think about coming back next week. And I also want to invite you, in the midst of this series, we talk about where are, why are we here? I also want to invite all of us to ask this question, why am I here? So not just say, okay, why are we here? Why are you here? Why are these people here? But why am I here? Because if we can discover where we're going as a church, then we can also discover why it's worth it for me, for you as individuals, to come along for the ride. So what we're going to do is we're going to be reaching back into the past to see where we've been. And as we reach back, we're going to get some clarity also on where we're going. So if you have your Bibles or Bible app, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. So you can turn or click over there. We're going to be focusing on verses 20 and 21. But I... I'll come just short of begging you guys to take some time this week and read verses 14 through 21. It's a prayer. And especially if you're here and you don't follow Jesus or maybe you're new to following Jesus and you're like, I've heard about this thing called prayer. I'm trying to figure it out. I have no idea how to pray. You can start by simply opening your Bible or Bible app and reading Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. I mean, it is a prayer. And so you could begin to pray this week, whether you follow Jesus or not, just by reading 
this. And so what, what we're going to do is, is we're going to look at 20 and 21. But another reason the whole passage is so powerful, I want to let you guys know that verses 14 through 21 is a passage and a prayer that I pray over you guys almost every single week. If you don't serve with us, you may be unaware that at 9 a.m. and 5 p.m., everyone serving that Sunday, we gather to be challenged by a leader real quick and then just spread out and pray for all of you guys that are going to be coming today. And so almost every Sunday, I don't do it every single Sunday, but almost every Sunday, I get on my knees somewhere in this space and I just pray Ephesians 3, 14 through 21 over you all. Not only that, but verses 20 and 21 have a really, really special place in my heart. And to let you guys know that, here's a picture, an engagement, or not an engagement picture. Wow, that would not be good. Um, <laughs> sorry, well, that would be awesome. All right, so that's terrible. Let me back that up. We were married before she got pregnant. Um, so we are, here is our pregnancy picture, and it's beautiful. She's beautiful. Awesome picture, the bridge. You may be wondering, okay, why that sign? Well, here's a zoomed-in version of it. This sign actually hangs in our son's room, Liam. And we try, we miss some days, but we try every day just to pray Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 over his life. We want these two verses to literally just be a declaration over our son. And here's why we do that. Because I've lived this. I've experienced Ephesians 3, 20 and 20 coming off the page and, and happening in my actual life. Paul is the author, and as he writes these words, he's not writing about something that he thinks could happen. He's writing about something he has experienced. And I want with all of my heart, all of my soul, I want my son to live these verses just like I have. And I want to keep living these verses. And I want with all my heart, I want you guys, every single one of you from the front all the way out of the lobby, I want all of you guys to live these verses as well because they're powerful and they're life-changing. So can we begin just by reading them together? They're going to be on the screen. I'd love for us just to read this powerful prayer together. Ready? Go. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So we're going to keep that verse on the screen and start here. And we're actually going to answer that first question. Why are we here? We're not just talking about why are these people here, these people like, why is public church here? Well, the answer is in this, to him, to God be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Here's why we're here. We are here to worship God through Jesus. This is the purpose of the church. This is why we as a church exist. Now, worship means to resp respond to God through our words and our actions. So songs we just sang. Those were words, worshiping God. But if we were to leave this place, and I hope somebody does, leave this place today and take time to tell someone the story of Jesus, to pray for someone and encourage them in the name of Jesus, that is an action that is worship. So our purpose as a church, we are here to worship God through Jesus. And what's interesting about verse 21 is the order. You know, we just sang a song, No Other Name, one of my favorite songs, and it's all about Jesus. So if it's all about Jesus, then why does verse 21 say, to him be the glory in the church and then Jesus? Why doesn't Jesus come first? Here's why. The church is the visible display of God on earth. Like public church, by the way, not a building, but a gathering of people. You don't go to church, we are the church. And public church and every church that exists, we should be a visible display of God on earth. People should look at our church and they should see God's love and his character. But know this, 
We can only be a visible display of God through Jesus. The church exists through Jesus. In fact, Jesus created the church through the cross, and he sustains the church through his resurrection power. Jesus created the church through the cross, and he sustains the church through his resurrection power. So yes, we are here to worship God through Jesus. And if we worship him through Jesus, hopefully people will see him. So look, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, if you're asking questions, if you're even skeptical and doubting, we are thrilled you're here because we want you to know that we are all about the name of Jesus. And as we talk about the question, where are we going? No, our overarching goal for the future is this, to worship God through Jesus. Everything we do, everywhere we go, that is the goal. So that in mind, let's back up to Ephesians 3.20. And we're going to take it one phrase at a time because it is unbelievable. The first phrase says, now to him who is able to do. Him who is able to do. The word do here means to make or create. So Paul, the author, starts by establishing that God has the power to do some things. God has the ability to make some things. And look, I know I'm skipping way ahead, but like I literally can't wait till this talk ends. Some of you are like, amen, I can't either. But like I really can't wait till this talk ends because we are ending our gathering today with the song. The first phrase says, God of creation. And that song is all about things that God has done, what he has made from creation all the way to the cross. I mean, it's gonna be an incredible opportunity for us to declare what Paul is talking about here, what God has done. And Paul looks at your life and my life and his life, and he says, you know what, it's not just about what God has done, but it's about what God is able to do. Now, with that in mind, some of you read this, and you're like, good job, Paul, that's cool that some people think this, but I am going through circumstances that contribute to me questioning God's power. You may be sitting here saying, I am questioning if God is able. Some of you, you've prayed for healing that hasn't come. Some of you have prayed for a new job. You're either stuck in your old job or you're just unemployed. Some of you have just prayed for a spouse. And if we back it up a couple steps, you really just want to date. Can you just pray for a date? And you're like praying for a date. And it's like Friday and Saturday, we don't really want to talk about it. You didn't have a date. I mean, I'm just saying, we have all these things that we pray for. And it feels like God doesn't have the ability to answer those prayers. Some of you parents, you've been praying for your child to make wiser choices. And it feels like your prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling and it feels, based on your circumstances, like God is powerless. So when you feel like that, know that Paul relates. Here's some of the things the author has gone through. He was beaten multiple times, imprisoned a lot. He was shipwrecked more than once, stoned, and left to die. That means people literally threw big rocks at him. They thought he was dead. They left him. He wasn't dead. And not only that, but he was betrayed and abandoned by his friends. There were a lot of times that Paul could have looked at his circumstances and go, God, I don't know if you're able, but he was able in the midst of all that to go, okay, God, I still believe in your power. So my question is why? Why could Paul, in the midst of all the adversity, all the tragedy he faced, still believe in God's ability? The answer to that is actually earlier in this letter. If you want to flip over, click back to Ephesians 1. Earlier in this letter, Paul's going to tell us the source of the power and why he thinks, no matter his circumstances, that God is able. He says this in verse 19. And, and, and what he's doing, this is another prayer. And he's praying that we would have eyes to see. And here's what he wants us to see. That we would have eyes to see what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. 
Notice he's talking about power. He says, it's immeasurably great. Why is it immeasurably great? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So why can Paul look at his circumstances and go, you know what? God is powerful even though he looks powerless because God raised Jesus from the dead. Just a survey. Have any of you been dead for multiple days and come back to life? I didn't think so. Jesus has. Jesus died. He wasn't asleep. He wasn't napping. Dead for multiple days. And the power of God raised him back to life. So when Paul writes that God is able, you know why God is able? Because God proved that he was capable of overcoming death. And with that, God tells us that his power has no limits. Paul wants us to understand that God's power has no limits. And that's why the title of our series is called No Limits. As we're looking at these verses, we're talking about where we are going. We want to focus on the fact that God's power has no limits. And the only way we can see that is if we lift up our eyes off our circumstances and we're able to look and see the empty tomb and see his resurrection power. That's the only way that we'll know for sure that his power is unlimited. And so I pray that throughout this series that we would be able to do that, to lift our eyes and see. And, and look, if you're here and you're going, okay, so I'm kind of following you and I'm getting that this whole thing hinges on the resurrection, you're right, it does. And so if you're skeptical about that, if you have questions, Lee Strobel is the name I would drop on you. I was told after the 9.30, you can actually get his book at the public library, like the audio version, for free and read his book. I wouldn't just call Lee Strobel a, a skeptic, I would call him a cynic. And he started out with a research project designed to disprove the resurrection, disprove why any of us should follow Jesus, to invalidate all of our reasons. And at the end of his research, he surrendered to Jesus. He said, the resurrection happened. It's undeniable. I am following Jesus. So do the research. We welcome you to do it just like Lee Strobel did. And then if we just keep going, like we probably should not read more, but I really can't stop with that part of verse 20, so you just have to I apologize on behalf of myself for that. But if you look at the rest of verse 20, here's what it says. It says, again, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, but he didn't just do that. It says, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. In other words, God resurrected and exalted Jesus, and then here's where Jesus is. He is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the ones to come. Not only is Jesus resurrected, but he has been given the name above all names that we talked about, the greatest names, the most powerful names in the past or that will come in the future don't even begin to compare to the name of Jesus. So God is able to declare that Jesus' name is unrivaled in the known and the unknown universe. As science presses forward and we discover more things about the universe that we don't know, they will just continue to show us that Jesus' name is unrivaled everywhere in every way. And that's just another reason that his power has no limits. So if we go back to Ephesians 3.20, we're wondering, why does he write God is able? Because of the empty tomb. And God's power displayed through rising, raising Christ from the dead. And then he goes in the second phrase 
Now to him who is able, and he says, to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Now far more abundantly, to go nerd on you for just a second, is a rare compound adverb in the original language. Here's what that means. Paul here is like getting his thesaurus out. And he's like trying to make up words and combine stuff and go, I don't even know how to describe this power. It's so crazy. And so he's trying to put stuff together and wordsmith it and make it sound great. I mean, he is just like, his mind is blown as he tries to express the power of God. So here's some other ways it's said. Another version says, infinitely more, or immeasurably more, or exceedingly, abundantly above. That is how Paul describes the power of God. And then he says, here's what it's exceedingly above. Here's what it's immeasurably more than. All that we ask or think. That word think can also be translated imagine. We could even insert the word dream. So if we talk about our future, God dreams about us. And God sees no limits in his dreams for us. Now before we explore that idea, we're going to come back to this incredible phrase, but why? Why does God's dreams for you and for me, why, why do they have no limits? Why do God's dreams for public church have no limits? It's all about the next phrase. Verse 20 ends by saying, according to the power at work within us. Look, this whole no limits thing isn't because you're awesome or you're awesome. I mean, God's not looking at you and going, man, I'm so glad you came to 1130. Now I can do something through public church. Thank you for showing up. No, God is looking at you and saying, I'm so glad you came to 1130 so you can get in on the immeasurably more plans that I have for this place. God is inviting us to be part of his plans that are not dependent upon us. In fact, that phrase at work, it's where we get the English word for energy. We would translate that and think about the idea of energy. Here's what that means. Jesus's unrivaled power is energizing us and it is not stopping. The energizer bunny has nothing on Jesus. Here's what that means. God is not affected by our limitations. God is unaffected by our limitations. In fact, here's what happens. When we surrender to Jesus, we give our lives to him, we become a Jesus follower. The spirit of God literally moves inside of us. Does that limit the spirit of God? No, no, no. The spirit of God transcends our human limitations. All that means that when he moves in, now we in our limited state have access to his unlimited power. And just to make sure we know, we got to understand that we are limited. This is just a fact of our existence. How many of you, by show of hands, have ever pulled an all-nighter? Raise your hand. People all over the room for work, school, something. How did you feel the next day? Terrible. And like the, the next, next day, you still felt bad. You're still trying to recover, right? I mean, it, you just feel awful because we have limitations. If, if everyone could stand up for just a moment. I know it's crowded, but if you guys could stand up. A little exercise to help us. See our limitations. So when I say how many hours of sleep you get on an ideal night, not like last night, but ideal night, you get this much sleep to feel good, have a seat. So how many of you require 10 hours of sleep? Have a seat. Yes, we got some honest people. Thank you. There's more of you that didn't sit down. Okay. What about nine hours? Yeah, some of you are trying to be tough. Let's be real. All right. Eight hours? Okay. Seven hours to feel good. More of you. Now we're getting the real tough crowd. Six hours? Six. Anybody at five? Yeah. Five? Yeah. Good job, John Ogle. <laughs> 
I'm tired if I sleep less than five hours. I can't do it. What's incredible about God is that every day we get tired and our fatigue is a built-in reminder of our limitations. Whether you get tired at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, whenever you get tired, that fatigue is a built-in reminder of our limitations and the fact that we need God's limitless power. And when every time we get tired, let's just be thankful. Man, God, I am so glad that your power is unaffected by my limitations. The reason that God can dream about our future and see no limits, not because of us, clearly because of him. So we need to understand that when God, (laughs) this is incredible, when God looks at us, he sees no limits in our future. That God looks at every single one of us and sees no limits in our future. Because it's not about our power pulling it off, it's about his power, his energy at work within us. And if we take just a moment, and if we reach back in our past as a church, we're gonna see this whole idea of no limits. See, Public Church began in January of 2014 under the name of Candy's Creek City Church. Candy's Creek was a church that started us as a campus for them. They're in rural Bradley County, and they started us in the city because they thought that people wouldn't drive all the way out to them, and they wanted to give people a place to meet in the city. So we began to meet at Bradley Central High School. At one point in the planning process, we thought we might get this building. God closed that door. So as we started meeting at Bradley, we had no plans for building, no plans for where to meet besides that school. And so we just began to meet, just to follow God as he was leading us. During the first few months of our existence, the, the church that once gathered here and, and, and met on this campus, sadly, it actually died. It closed up shop. When that happened, then this property was handed over to CrossNet, which is our local network of churches. And the leadership at CrossNet called Jamie Work, who was our lead pastor at the time. He was overseeing both campuses and said, Jamie, do you want this land? And Jamie said, uh, yeah. And so check this out. We were given, we're about four months old when this happened. We were given 6.3 acres and three buildings. There's three buildings here. This building, the annex right here, and back this direction is a house off Seed Street. 6.3 acres off of Keith Street. Anybody in real estate and doing some numbers in your head? If you are, you're going, man, I'm glad the church got that, but I really wish I had because I'd be rich. I mean, this is prime real estate off one of the busiest streets in our city. We're right smack dab in the middle of Cleveland. Not only that, but we are literally one mile, or depending on where you're going, less than a mile from Lee's campus. Like our location could not be more strategic. So some people have asked me, like, hey, whose idea was it? Who thought of the strategic location? I'm like, Jesus. And if anybody tells you otherwise, they're lying. We had no idea. We're just like, you want 6.3 acres for free? Yeah, we want 6.3 acres for free. And God put us here. We started with 50 people. Look around. There's just a couple more than 50 here today. I mean, God has done immeasurably more. And so if we look back at the beginning, we can see that God had a vision. God had dreams for this church that no one saw. If anybody from our leadership uh, originally claims that they saw this, they are lying. None of us saw it. Not the biggest dreamer, but God 
had immeasurably more plans than we could ever begin to think about. So we began to renovate this building. It took us 14 months, which if you're here, it felt like 14 years. But eventually, on July 26, 2015, we moved, or 2000, yeah, 15, we moved into this space. And we've been here ever since, and God has been just doing amazing things. But, but what's crazy is that we were started by a church, and we've actually been able to help start another church in our four years of existence. Some of you may have heard of the Greenhouse. Today at 1030 in Athens, Tennessee, they met. A whole lot of their leaders, their lead pastor, Todd Humbert, he worked at Lee and Res Life. He was on staff with us. And now there's a brand new church in Athens that we are relationally and financially supporting. So here's what that means for all of you guys. There are people in Athens, Tennessee, who are going to follow Jesus. You will never know their name. You will never, ever meet them. But you had a role in them following Jesus. That is amazing. That is immeasurably more. People that you will never meet. And you, through your giving, had a role in them meeting Jesus. That's what happens when we just say, God, where are we going? And you just set the pace and I'll just follow you. So, where are we going at this point? Well, if you look around, it's a little crowded. We have outgrown our space. So really, the next huge step for us is to build. Now, what's incredible is that on July 26, 2015, when we met in this space for the first time and we thought, we have arrived, like, this is it, we're set forever, that God was like laughing, like, you have no idea, you're so dumb, you know? And he was just laughing at us, and he knew this day would come when we totally outgrown this space, and so he said, look, you're just not with it, you're, you don't get it, but I'm gonna give you 6.3 acres. So when this day comes, you don't have to go buy land, you don't have to relocate, you just have to go, hey, where are we gonna put it? Is that not amazing? Not only that, but just to let you know God's provision, there's an individual in our church, before we've even been talking about building in a gathering like this, whose heart was stirred to support the fact that we needed a new building, and he's already donated $21,200 to the building campaign. Sitting there, but we don't even have a campaign. We just got a designated fund that we started because of him. <laughs> and how much is it gonna cost? I can promise you more than $21,200. But at least we're not starting at zero. Because long before we knew what was up, what was happening, God was already beginning to unfold his plans. And, and look, just, just follow me for just a minute. If, if you guys could just like look around this room, I want you guys to understand as you look around, like you all are why we're building. I don't know if you noticed, we're not a construction company. You don't want me building anything at your house, okay? I'm just telling you. But you guys out here, you're why we're building. You guys are why we're building. Because if you come today, especially if you come and you don't follow Jesus, and you're like, man, I like this. I've got some friends that need to come back. Or maybe you do follow Jesus, and you're like, man, I have some people that don't follow Jesus. I think they would enjoy this. They need to be a part of this. You're looking around and going, where would they sit? Okay, we'll bring them to the 530. Well, we need a lot more long-term solution than just the 530. So we're building because we're not in the construction business. We are in the people business. And life change occurs in gatherings just like this. And so we're creating space to make more room for people so that Jesus can change their lives on earth and their eternities after earth. That is the why. In fact, last Sunday, a great friend of mine came and left. His whole family left. Now, thankfully, they're regulars. They love Jesus. They'll be back. But they left because they didn't have a seat. 
imagine if that had been somebody who didn't follow Jesus. Somebody who hadn't been in a gathering like this in eight years, nine years, because people like that come. And imagine if they'd finally worked up the courage because their friend kept bugging them, come, come, come. And they finally worked up the courage, okay, I'm going to go. And they walked in and they looked around and there's no seat for me and they left. That rips my heart apart. I think that rips Jesus' heart apart. And we can't afford to miss opportunities like that. So that's why Jesus is leading us to build. It's about people. And so just a few details just to kind of let you know where we're at. There are way more questions than answers. Here's the big answer we know. God has no limits on his plans, and he's going to provide every single thing we need as long as we keep following his direction. And parents, I want to let you know, number one priority is we have to build a building for our sprouts and roots. Sprouts are birth through pre-K, roots are kindergarten through fifth grade, and we need one building that they can both be in, and we also need a building for our adults to gather in. So we need a gathering space, but the first priority is the kids' building. That's where we need to go. We've got the land to do it. And it's going to take some time. The first step is we have to rezone, and that's going to be a process of talking to our neighborhood and, and then going before city council. But we've just got to trust that even in the midst of the unanswered questions, there are no limits to the future God sees for us. So let's keep following him so we can maximize our influence and reach more and more and more people for Jesus so they can be changed by him. And then in the future, just to go way out there, in the future, we feel like God is leading us to plant a campus in another city. So at one point in the future, there'll be public church Cleveland and public church in some other city. And I'm crazy. So sometimes I meet people. You guys know I'm crazy. But sometimes I meet people and I'm like talking to them and I'm like, maybe she's going to help with our next campus. Maybe he's going to help with our next campus. Because that's where we're going. Now we've got to build here and we've got to have a building and we've got to have some more infrastructure and there's some logistical work that needs to be done. But that is the future without limits that God is leading us to. And he's saying, that's where I'm going. Will you go? Will you follow me there? And in the meantime, another huge piece of our vision is we've got some work to do in reaching the next generation. That began in, 2000, in January of 2018. We hired Colin Cook, who's our family's pastor. And as Colin came in, he cast vision for a thing called Orange. It's curriculum. And some of you are like, curriculum? I'm done. No, no. Here's why Orange matters. Orange is a game changer for how we help parents and their kids. Because here's what we believe. We believe that parents are the primary disciple makers of their children. If you're like, what does that mean? It means this. Parents should take the lead role in teaching their children how to embrace the journey of following Jesus. But a whole lot of parents have never been shown how to do that. A whole lot of you that want to be parents one day just went, oh, I'm not going to have kids because that sounds terrifying. <laughs> so we as a church, here's our role. We need to supplement what parents are doing at home. Sundays need to be awesome. So we can supplement what's going on at home, and then we need to equip parents to teach their kids about Jesus at home. So the reason Orange is awesome is because if you're a, a parent of a young child like me, Liam's seven months old, part of Orange is that every single baby will have a short Bible story read over him or her. Isn't that not awesome? Look, they're not going to understand. They're probably going to try to eat the paper. That's cool. That's what little babies do. But they're going to have truth read over them. They're going to be hearing the song we sang, who God says that he or she is from when they're just months, maybe even weeks old. Not only that, parents, but we're going to be giving you, here's part of Orange, it'll be sending emails and, and resources to give you activities and talking points so you know how to have conversations, you know how to do activities with your kids at home. And guess what? 
this extends to public students, which is for sixth graders through 12th graders. So the vision, when Orange is fully implemented, if your son is three or your daughter's 13, we're going to be giving you talking points so that you can talk to your kids about Jesus at home. We want to equip parents. But to get there, we have, honestly, a long way to go. Here's one of the first steps. We're implementing new roles in both pre-K and roots. Those roles are gonna be on the screen. I'd love for you to take a picture of this. If this is something you feel like, hey, this is where the church is going and this is where I need to go. You can read those. I think what's awesome is that right now, there's people leading roots and they're doing all this. (laughs) And they're awesome. And we get this fully implemented, they won't have to do it all alone. (laughs) Because some of you guys will be over there with them serving our kids and our parents. And dads, just to talk for you for a moment. Dads, you may be saying, I have no idea how to talk to my kid about Jesus. What if you became a game leader? What if twice a month you rolled into Roots and led a fun game? So you knew there's gonna be a connecting point with your son, your daughter, and their friends, and they're gonna have fun and smile and like you at least twice a month during Roots. And then you're gonna sit in there and be crowd control and help with the left. You just kinda, you don't have to teach anything, but you're just listening and crowd control. And then you're thinking, okay, so I heard all that, I'm going home, I'm nervous as I'll get out, I'm sweating because I need to say something to my kid about Jesus and about the lesson, and your kid might just walk up to you and go, hey, Daddy, I saw you in there, what did you think about, boom. And then your kid initiated a Jesus conversation because you were leading the game. Parents were trying to make it as easy as possible, and, and here's really the heart of these roles, is that this becomes the practice field for parents to disciple their kids. I'm a football coach, so I think like this. So roots and sprouts, that's the practice field where you're being trained and what it means to disciple your kids, to talk to them about Jesus. You're seeing other people who are really good at it and you're learning from them and then you go home and it's game time. And we're equipping you to go home and talk to and teach your kids about Jesus. So, just to be real blunt, here's the numbers, here's what we need, here's where we wanna go and here's where we're currently at. So for Sprouts, for us to fully implement Orange, you can read it, you can see that we need 33 people every Sunday. How many do we have last Sunday we had? 14. Not quite 33. Look, we're not going to get here overnight. It's going to take some time, but we want you to know, we want you to be invited to come along our side, our parents and our kids, and to help us implement Orange, this game changer for our families. When it comes to roots, here's what we need. You can see, total it all up, 19 per Sunday. Last Sunday, we had how many? Six. I did my math based off 600. We'll have way more than 600 people here today. But suppose we had 600 people here. If you do those math, you add that up together, then here's how many people we need to commit to serve every single Sunday. We need 52 out of 600. That's 8.6%. Not 80%, not 50%, not 10%. That's 8.6% of us saying, I'll sacrifice and I'll go serve our parents and our kids so that they can know who Jesus is. That's where we're going. And we have an incredible opportunity to get there in front of us. And not to leave out public students. Oh, just to say this, yeah, that's on the screen. Nextgen at publicchurch.com. If you say, hey, that, that's, that's, I want to be a part of where we're going there, email us. We have immeasurably, God has immeasurably more planned for our kids. And we get a chance to get in on that. And then for our public students, not to leave them out, the immediate change for them is that they're going, their community group is shifting from Sunday afternoons, they're going to Wednesday nights. Here's the reason. They need more time. Because it's a community group. It's not going to feel like this gathering. In fact, they're moving away from really 
almost, they'll almost never have somebody teaching like this. It'll almost always be lessons through discussion. So if you're in 6th through 12th grade, you're not going to have somebody talking at you, but you'll be having a conversation with people where you can ask questions and go, hey, I read this. I don't understand this. Will you help me here? And that just simply takes time. Time for relationships to develop, for people to hang out. Another thing we're doing in public students is we are working to go to the schools. It was a public church. It's not enough for us to say, hey, come to us. No, we have to serve on and off our campus. So we're trying to go to the schools to engage students there. We can't get in every school right now. We're just starting with some and trying to be consistent in them. And in 2019, we're hoping and praying and looking to hire a student pastor. Right now, we've got our family's pastor. We have two incredible interns in Bree Green and Austin Burns. But we'd love to, in 2019, be able to hire a student pastor to really come alongside our parents of our students and invest in our students. That's where we're going. And we have an opportunity to get on board and go with God. And for the next two weeks, we'll be talking about more direction and more future. But really, there's two questions that we just simply want to end with. The two questions, the first one is this. Why am I here? We'd love for us all just take a moment and think, why am I here? Not why are we here, not why are you here, or this group here. Why am I here? And if you walked in today and you don't follow Jesus, I'd love to personally invite you to make today the day that you surrender to him. And you can just tell him, look, Jesus, I surrender to you. You died and rose again. Forgive me my sins. Here's my life. And today could be the day that you begin to worship God through Jesus. Why am I here? The second question for us all to ask, and I'd love for us to ask this really over the next seven days, is this, am I going? <laughs> Real simple question, am I going? We're talking about where public church is going. The question is, am I going? <laughs> am I coming along? You know, I actually have a blueprint with me. This is a blueprint that I keep in my office. We found when we got the building. And this blueprint is from the, the church that was here before us. And what it represents, you guys can see this, is God's immeasurably greater plans. God's exceedingly abundantly, far more than they could ever imagine plans that never happened. And so you know what God did? God raised us up. This never happened. And these people lost out on the opportunity. This blueprint represents missed opportunity to get in on Jesus changing lives hey, lives are still changed. That's why we're here. Let's not be this. Let's not be a blueprint that sits in an office somewhere. Let's not let this podcast be stored in an archive and go, oh, that was a cool vision for the future, but they never got there. No, let's ask God, am I going? And let's get on board and go with him so that his immeasurably more plans can come to life and we can be right in the middle of seeing that happen. So as public worship comes up, I just want to invite you to begin to reflect on those two questions. Why am I here? And am I going? And I pray that, that, that as we all pray, as we think about where you're going, that God would just reveal, all right, as I go, here's my role. As I go, here's my role. And we'll keep talking about that. But for now, am I going? Jesus Thank you so much for this incredible opportunity. We, we don't deserve it. Yet you have put before us 
and measurable plans, and like we're literally just seeing the tip of the iceberg. Like we can't even see very much at all, but you've opened our eyes to see a little bit of where you want to take us, and I pray that you would give us the courage to just surrender and get on board and say, I'm going with you. And as we go, show us our role. Thank you for this opportunity. Pray that you would help us to get in on it. And we praise you ahead of time for all the lives that you're going to change as we go.